just, just make us decrease so that you can increase, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hear the things we need to hear, to learn the things we need to learn from you, from nowhere else but you, from the Holy Spirit, from your word, Lord, so that we can be the vessels you desire to be glorified in in this hour. I yield myself to you this morning, Lord. Help me, Lord, to get out of the way, to not share my thoughts, my opinions, Lord. We need to hear from you, Lord, more than anything. And Lord, I'm trusting you to speak to all of our hearts this morning. So open up our hearts. Help us to listen to you, not to a man. Not even a, quote, sermon. Lord, help us to just hear the Holy Spirit and what He wants to say to us. Somehow filter out me, Lord, in, for our hearts so that we can just hear what You want to say to each one of us individually because You have different things to say to different ones here. Help us to hear what You have for us personally today so that You can continue working and doing what you're wanting to do in us. So I thank you, and Lord, I'm trusting you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am going to be sharing a little bit about what God is doing down in Asbury. I'm not going to call it anything. I'll just say God is doing something there and in other places. Um, I did hear today that they'll be closing that off to the public after today. Um, Which I'm almost glad they're doing that. Because I already heard there were big names wanting to go there and then take it. And so then it'll be about them. And I think God has something else in mind. And I know what He's been speaking to me since I went there. Uh, So we want to just continue to pray for them and for all the other colleges and and really the church on a whole and what God is wanting to do. Not what we think needs to happen, but what, what does God need to do in us, in His people, for Him to come um, in this hour, in this impossible hour we find ourselves in where He can really do only the things He can do. And we can just get out of the way. Um, so I'm believing God for that. So uh, I'm going to read Second Chronicles 7. We're actually going to be in Mark chapter 5. But, you know, this is the verse, right? That we all uh, pray, we, we quote it over and over and over. This is the verse, right? God's going to revive us. So this is the verse. If we just do these things, God will come and He'll heal our land. He'll heal the church. We'll see a great harvest come in. And it says here in Second Chronicles 7.14, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I then, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal 
their land. And one thing that has stood out to me the last few days is the first thing he tells us to do. Humble yourselves. And there was a phrase mentioned down there. I don't know if someone there said it or whatever. Basically of what God was doing. And they called it a radical humility. A radical humility. And it's interesting, when you're there, there's no celebrity, there's no great preacher, there's no great worship band, there's no uh, screens, there's no smoke and mirrors, there's no advertising, there's no uh, predominant denomination or church. It's just Jesus. And they're there just for Him. And they just want to be in His presence. That's all they know. All they know is, I have to have Jesus. He is my only answer. They've learned. They're learning. He's the only one that has what I need. I have tried everything else. I've tried to medicate myself. I've tried sex. I've tried drugs. I've tried to immerse myself in social media and TikTok. And I'm empty inside. And I'm learning where my only hope is. And it's Jesus. And what I saw is they've turned off all the distractions. They're not, there's no phones. You're not, there's no phones. This gender, you know, they're still trapped by their phones. We too. There's no phones. They've, they've somehow been pulled out of that world for a time. And all they know, all they want is to be immersed in the presence of Jesus. To touch the hem of His garment. Because they're learning. They're finding out, actually, He is it. He is what I've needed all along. And He is here. And they're finding him. And, and no one can take credit. You, you, there's nothing else you can point to except Jesus is there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need a great humbling in the body of Christ. I need a great Humbling, personally. I don't want Jesus to pass me by. I want to be willing to beg. I don't want to be ashamed to beg. I, I don't care what anyone thinks. He's the only one that has what I need. I guess that's what I'll call this today. Only Jesus has what we need. Only Jesus has what we need. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your heart, Jesus is what you need. And guess what? He's here today. He's here in our midst. And you... You can press through like this woman had to all the things that have kept you back from Him. Today, 
And you can receive from Him today what you need. Mainly, first and foremost, to be born again, to be saved, to have Him come and live inside of you. To find cleansing from your sins. He's here for you today. So let's look here at at Mark chapter 5. I like this story. I've preached on it before. And I want to apply it to what God is doing right now. Right now in this nation. I don't know if we realize it or not, but we are, as a nation, as a church, as individuals, we are in an impossible situation that man is not going to fix. There's only one answer. Jesus. It's the only thing that is going to fix anything and bring what is needed. And that's what this woman found herself in. An impossible situation. It says in verse 25 about this woman uh, that she had a flow of blood for 12 years. And it says also she had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but instead she grew worse. She tried everything. She went to the professionals, the people that should have been able to help her. And I can't help when I think about this woman, think about the masses, this generation, just people in general that have gone to the church, tried everything, and still have not found what they needed. Because the church has incorporated the methods, the ways of the world. Basically, we've turned away from Jesus. Jesus isn't enough anymore. We send them here. We send them there. We medicate them. We tell them they need this. They need that. But Jesus is the only one that can cure their souls. Jesus is the only one that has what they need. And we've taken the focus off him. And we've made it about everything else. And so what we find ourselves in with all we have, and I'll get into that a little bit, the church in general has wealth, more stuff than I think in any other time. But yet it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And this generation, like my wife alluded to a little bit, and really people in general, they are suffering. They're suffering under depression. Suicidal thoughts. Anxiety. Gender confusion. But people don't even know what they are anymore. Addiction. Hopelessness. And they're trying, they're trying everything. 
They're even mutilating their bodies, thinking that maybe if I become something else, I'll find peace. Finding out it's empty. It's not what they needed. But now they cannot change what they have done. I've heard testimonies of young kids that have gone through transition. And they can't change it now. Now they regret it. They understand this is not this was not my answer. But yet we want to mandate it. We want to legalize it. So that kids, children, have access to mutilate and change their bodies. That's just one little thing. Though it's not little, but it's one thing, one evil that is pervading our society. The list goes on and on and on and on. So they're turning to all kinds of things. Like I said, drugs, psychotropic drugs. This, medic, this generation is probably the most medicated generation in history. And we're destroying them with it. Psychotropic drugs. It destroys the brain. It causes more problems. They've turned to sex, social media. Again, they're trapped in a world that isn't reality. No generation really has faced what they are facing. We can't compare this to any other time. That's because we're nearing the, the end of days. We are right almost at the climax of it. We are very close. We have to understand that. And there's only one answer. Only Jesus. Only Jesus has what we need in this hour. They need more than we can give them. That's why we pray. That's why we cry out here. That's why we do what Jesus said. We bang on the door until we get bread from heaven for those God is sending us. Because we don't have the answer. But Jesus does. And He lives inside of us. And, and He has everything we need to give them. Mainly Himself. And what He can do. Because He can do anything. When He is present... He can heal. He can restore. He can deliver. People were upset because supposedly a girl got delivered from a demon. They were mad. Just like in Jesus' day, it's no different. That's what Pharisees do. Mad because someone got delivered. We need a great humbling. We need a great humbling in the body of Christ. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, and we've been hearing this over and over and over again, our God is the God of the impossible. That's what these kids are finding out. A lot of us here, we have found that out in our own lives. Our problem is do we really believe Him for what we're seeing and what's coming to us? Do we really still believe Him? Can He still do it? 
is it the same Jesus still that this woman's about to encounter? Is, has he changed? No. Maybe we have. Maybe our perspective of him has changed. Maybe we've forgotten who he is. Well, he's the God of the impossible. So it says in verse 27, she had heard, she heard the reports about this Jesus. And she came up behind him in the throng, in a crowd, and, and she touched his garment because she was saying to herself inside, and that's what this generation, that's what God is stirring in them. He's stirring it in us. He's stirring it in me. Something got in her because she kept saying it. If I can only touch his garment, I will be restored to help. I've heard about him. And I don't know what kind of knowledge she had, but she knew uh, what he could do. And for them, this was the sign that it was the Messiah, because only the Messiah could do what he was doing. She believed the reports. She believed. What's God been saying to us? But God. But God, right? I don't care what it looks like, but God. It was life or death for her people. It's life or death right now. If you haven't come to Jesus yet, it's life or death for you. That's, that's what's at stake here. But um, not just, you know, earthly or natural death. It, it, we're talking about your eternity. If you have not come in contact with Jesus and fallen at His feet and received what He has done for you on Calvary, it's life or death for you today. She knew that. This is it for me. If I don't get to Him today, I'm done. It's over for me. She was desperate. That's what I saw in, in a lot of these kids streaming in, coming from other colleges. They're desperate. They're desperate. Is it true? Is it true what I'm hearing? Is Jesus really there? This is what I've been hoping for. I, I, I've heard about it. My parents have talked about it from the days of old, but I've just never seen it. I've never experienced it for myself. Is he really there? I gotta go find out because I tried everything. This is life or death for me. I don't care if I gotta drive ten hours. I don't care if I gotta get on a plane. I don't care what I gotta do. I gotta get to Jesus. Now, for us, obviously, he's right here. You don't got to get on a plane. You don't got to get in a car and drive. He's right here today. He's here. He's in this town. He's in every town. Because he's at the right hand of the Father, and now he's everywhere in his people. 
and His people bring His presence. So, because we're gathered here today, Jesus is here. Jesus was her only hope. You know, even a proud, hard-hearted person will humble himself if he has a great need. I think about Naaman, this great uh, captain uh, that had leprosy and had heard about this God in Israel that can heal him, this prophet. And he went, you know, with all his pomp and all of his stuff and his, uh, you know, entourage. And at first, because it didn't happen the way he thought it should happen, you know, he expected the prophet himself to come out and greet him and do this big thing and wave his hand. Again, he had his own ideas of how God should do it. We need to be humbled. We need to be humbled. What, what kept coming to me as we were worshiping was, God, you do whatever you want. All I know is we need you. Lord, you do it whatever you want. You do it however you want to do it. Don't let me get in your way. That's the attitude we need to have. All I know is, Jesus, we need you and we need what you can only do. Well, he thought about it afterwards. You know, he, he walked off mad, but his need was so great, he humbled himself. And he dipped in a dirty river seven times. And he came out like a little baby with like baby skin. He got what he needed. Why? He humbled himself. I don't know where this came from a quote from somewhere. But this is the reality of many, many people. I remember myself feeling this way. I've tried. I've tried in vain many ways to ease my pain. Now all other hope is past. There's nothing left for me. Only this is left at last. Here before the cross I lie. Here I live or I die. That's where we're at. That's where we're at as a church. We've tried everything. It's time to come back to the foot of the cross. That's our only hope. That's what God is doing. The first requirement of revival is to humble yourself. It's the first requirement in that verse I read earlier. What does that mean? Humble myself. What does that mean? It means we have to come back into the reality of what we are without God. Our utter, utter poverty. The disciples were fighting in Matthew 18. I, I feel like this goes on a lot in the church. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Come over here. 
Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child to him. And he set him in the midst of them. He said, Verily I say to you, except you could be converted and you become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And what I saw there, um, someone made a comment, and I even made a comment arrogantly. Oh, this is just like one of our services. Let me just tell you, God's really been humbling me since I was there. Yeah, it was a lot like our services. But you know what was different? It was purer. Their hearts were purer. They were innocent. They were like little kids at Jesus' feet. That's what was different. And that's why he was meeting them the way he was meeting them. They were like little kids. They had the, the, the faith of a little kid. It was beautiful to see. And I knew I've lost that. I've lost that. I need to get back to that little child attitude. That attitude that I'm nothing. I don't know anything. I can't do anything. All I know is I need Jesus. And Jesus has what I need. That's all I know. A beggar. It's a state of being a beggar continually. Lord, I need you. I need what you have. I need your Holy Spirit, Lord. I can't do anything without you. Helpless. A baby is helpless. A little child's helpless without his parents. So are we. But we have forgotten that we're helpless. To be poor in spirit is to have a humble opinion of ourselves. To be sensible that we're sinners. We have no righteousness of our own. We're to bear whatever God lays on us, to go where He bids us, to die when He commands, to be willing to be in His hands, to feel that we deserve no favor for Him. It is the complete absence of pride. It's the complete absence of vanity. It's the complete absence of self-ambition. And I believe you can find all three of those in the church today. I believe you can find all three of those somewhere in my own heart. Down in the crevices, buried and masked over and, you know, made to look not so bad. But you know what's so wonderful? God knows how to go down in there and unmask it. And, and it's a good thing. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. That's where when we can pray, Lord, search me, try me, God, see if there's any wicked way in me, Lord. Get it out of me, Lord. I don't want anything to hinder you in my life, Lord. Whatever pride, whatever self-ambition, I know I'm vain at times. I know I can be that way. God, get it out of me. I don't even understand how deep it runs in me, but Lord, I want to be rid of it. I want to be nothing so that you could be everything. I want you to be able to fill me to overflowing. I want to be totally empty. Because people don't need me. I don't have what they need. I can't do or say the things they need. But you can. And if I'm out of the way and you're there, anything's possible. 
that's why God gave me these two verses and, and he, he encouraged me. Jeff, you need to read this over and over and over so you never forget. You're nothing and I'm everything. And, and your gifts, your abilities, whatever you think you have, that's not why I chose you. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. You see your calling, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. The base things of the world. The things which are despised God has chosen. The things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh will glory in His presence. No flesh. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Oh, we glory in so many things. Quote good things. Our favorite uh, teachers, our favorite places, our favorite attractions. This, uh, what, we glory in it. Paul had one aim in life in the next chapter. He said, Brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech, with wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, we've made it about so many other things. We spend millions of dollars on facilities. Millions. Attractions. We look to movies. Oh, I can't wait for this movie to come out. That's the thing, you know. The next great movie. That's going to be it. Oh, yeah. We're going to get everyone to go. A movie will do it. Yeah. A series on Jesus. That'll do it. Looking to celebrities. A teacher, a preacher. We think of method or a style. We'll do it. Whether it's in preaching or worship. Oh, that'll do it. If we just do that. We promote. We use names. We use gimmicks. We use slick advertising to attract crowds. You know what I loved about down there? No advertising, no nothing. No, oh, did you hear who's down there? Oh, did you hear about their worship man? So, no. God's there. God's presence is there. Really? I'm going. And when you got there, there was nothing else to attract you. And it was beautiful. Beautiful. I get sick to my stomach sometimes because I have to sit in meetings. I'm on boards and we plan conferences. And I get sick in my stomach when I hear, yeah, we need a name. 
so people will come. Because, you know, who, who's this guy? We need a name. It's sad. And, and most people will tell you that, that are planning conferences. If you don't have a name, you won't get as many people coming. Oh, so-and-so's going to be there? Well, I want to know if Jesus, if Jesus is there, I'm going. I don't care about so-and-so. Is Jesus going to be there? Revelation 2, Revelation 2, talks about a church that lost their first love. And, you know, we do a lot of things right. We get all our dots, you know, in line and everything right, our doctrines and all that. You know, we do some things right. We fight against, you know, false teachers and all that. Oh, we love doing all that. But the rebuke to this church was... I'm glad you're doing all that, but you've neglected the most important thing. You've lost your first love. You've made it about everything else but me. You're not in love with me. You're not in a passionate relationship with me. You're not making it all about me in the center. You've made it about other things. You've gotten your eyes on yourself, on things, and on people, and off of me. You've lost your first love. And I believe God is trying to help us all get our focus where it needs to be in Him. So she heard. I'm back to the woman now. She came. She kept on saying, if I can only touch His garment, Jesus! Jesus Himself! Why? He was in town! And she heard about Him. And it says... You know, it was strong. So obviously she had to fight her way through the crowds. She had to be persistent. These kids, like this woman, to do what they were doing and are doing, had to get all the distractions, all the things that were keeping them from seeking Jesus out of the way. We have to get rid of all the things. We're going to have to press through. Whatever it is that's keeping us get to get to Jesus the way we need to. So that we can touch the hem of His garment. And that could represent many things in our lives. When you get a hold of His garment, you find out this is what we needed all along. That's what she found out. This is what they're finding out down at Asbury, because you can hear it in the kids' testimonies. I've, I've been able to listen to some of their testimonies, and it's so awesome. In other words, what they tried to do for years, Jesus did it in an instant. That's all it takes. Do you understand? That's all it takes with Jesus. What we try to do, what we try to, with all of our stuff, He does in an instant when He is present. When we allow Him to come and do what He's wanting to do, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing God for because we understand. We've seen it in history. We've known it in our own lives. That when He shows up and we get a hold of His God, we touch Him, it's gone. He does the impossible. It says, immediately, verse 29, her flow of blood was dried up at the source. Suddenly, 
She felt in her body she was healed of that distressing ailment. Distressing. It's there all the time. That's what this generation is dealing with. That's what people are dealing with. It's distressing. It's like a distressing spirit. It's like a thorn. It's always there. Whatever it is, it plagues your whole life. And only Jesus can bring healing for whatever that is in your life or their life. And Jesus recognized in himself that power proceeded from him, had gone forth. And he turned around to the crowd. He said, who touched my clothes? She learned, she, she learned the secret of tapping into the power of God. That's what we need to learn as a church and a people. How to tap in to the source. It's Jesus. We don't have that in our... It's Jesus. But the woman feared and she was trembling, knowing what had happened to her. You know, my, my guess is she realized this is the Messiah. It's true. He's here. He's come. Who else could do this to me? How else could this happen? And she fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. And that's really the, the only response you have. You fall at his feet, trembling, in awe. And, and you see that with these kids, the way they're worshiping. And there's something about their understanding who he is and what he has done for them. And so their worship is pure. It's beautiful. It's, it's repetitious. It's not professional. But it's from their hearts. And I know it's just a sweet-smelling aroma to God because there's something pure about it. We need to fall at His feet as a church, as a people. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, these you will not despise. Isaiah 57.15 says, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That's what he's doing. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves. He draws near to people that are willing to humble themselves. And that, that was my cry last night. On my face before God. God, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by, Lord. Help me to humble myself in the dust. Don't pass me by, Lord. I'm here, Lord. I'm begging. Don't pass me by. Only you have what I need. Are we willing to be a beggar? He drew near to her. And he said, daughter, your faith, your trust 
Your confidence in me has restored you to health. Go in peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. And that's my prayer for these kids, that it's just going to go on and on and on. They're not going to lose it. We need to be praying for them because God is touching them. Psalm 27, 8 says, You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek, inquire for, require. Shall not God avenge His own elect who cry out to Him night and day? Psalm 18, 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from His temple. My cry came before Him. I've been thinking about this. What do you think is going to happen? If all these kids, they keep crying out to God, and it spreads, and in different places, people just start day and night, right where they're at, just crying out to God. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us, on me, on this generation, Lord, on the church. Jesus, Son of David, what do you think is going to happen if that goes on and on and on and on and we persist in it? What do you think is going to happen? The windows of heaven are going to open. That's what's going to happen. God's going to come down in power. God's going to come down like that psalm talks about, the like smoke coming out of his nostrils, and the enemy's going to be scattered, and God's going to start doing miraculous things everywhere. And I don't know what that looks like. My own personal opinion, you could say, is the world's going to keep getting darker. But at least God's going to have a church in the midst of it, a remnant church full of His power and glory that, that have humbled themselves, that have been crying out, and they're going to be a mighty force in this world. And many souls are going to come to Christ because of it. And we need to believe God for that. God is here. God is here, people. He's right here. Is there someone here today? Someone online? You've tried. You've tried in vain to ease your pain. All hope seems past. Jesus is here. All you need to do is come to the foot of the cross this morning. And He'll heal you. He'll restore you. He'll cleanse you. He's here today for you. And I want to invite anyone here. You haven't touched His garment yet. You haven't found Him the way you need to. You haven't been cleansed. He's not dwelling inside of you. You need Him. You've tried everything else. He's here for you today. He's in town today. He's here right now. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let Jesus pass you by. Respond to Him. Just come to this altar today. 
and touch the hem of his garment, and you will be healed. He will come to you. He will cleanse you from all your uncleanness. This woman was unclean. She was instantly made clean. He will instantly make you clean. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of sin you've been involved in. God will wash you. He will cleanse you. Jesus is here today. Come to Him for cleansing. Come to Him for healing. He wants to restore you to a relationship with the living God. He wants to pour His Spirit inside of you so that everything else you have looked to, that you have found to cause that emptiness, that gnawing worm, He is here to satisfy your longing heart with Himself. So I want to make that plea, that offer from God Himself to you today to respond to Him and give your life to Him. To come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need You. Lord, I've tried everything. Lord, I've heard about You. I've heard what You can do. But Lord, I haven't experienced it for myself. Come to Him now. Don't let pride, don't let the crowd, don't let the people, don't, don't let anything stop you this morning from coming to the foot of Jesus. Hey, listen, we'll rejoice with you just like all heaven will. But you've got to come to Him. You have to humble yourself. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Just humble yourself. Come to Him. He'll release you from the power of darkness. He'll release you from the sin that has dominated you. He'll release you. He'll set you free. He'll bring healing into your life. So please, don't hesitate. He's here. Come to Him. Come to Him now if you need Him in that way. Online, just come to Him. Get on your face before Him. And come to Him. I need You, Jesus. Please, God, forgive me. I'm unclean. Just like that woman, I'm unclean. I've tried everything, Lord. But God, please have mercy. Forgive me. Cleanse me from my sins, Lord. Wash me. God, I give my life to You, Lord. I want You to come in. I want You to take possession of my heart, of my life, Lord. I pray for Your Spirit to come and live inside of me, Lord. Because You are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. Become my life, Jesus. I want You to become my life. I'm tired of being like a walking dead person. Lord, I need Your life in me. And Lord, I pray that right now for anyone responding to You, Lord. Meet them just like You met that woman, Lord. What about us, church? What about us? Are we willing to become beggars at His feet? Are we willing to allow Him to show us our own pride, our own things in our lives that we need to repent and humble ourselves? He's been showing me a lot. He wants to come in a greater way. He wants to 
be glorified, but we have to decrease. Just like the John the Baptist said, I must decrease so He can increase. So if we want that, if we want Him to increase here, not just in this church, in us, out there in the highways and byways, we have to humble ourselves. We have to decrease so that He can increase. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, if, if You've put the finger on anything in anybody, pride manifests itself in so many different ways. But whatever it is, Lord, um, I pray You would bring conviction. I pray, Lord, You would help us. It's a choice. Humble Yourself. Humble yourself and come to Jesus and lay it at the foot of the cross. Say, Lord, I repent, Lord. I can see where I want to be noticed, Lord. I want to be seen, Lord. I feel Your glory at times. Lord, I can see vanity. I can see selfish ambition in my life. Lord, I, I pride myself on who I know and I promote this and I promote that, Lord, but I don't promote You. But Lord, I'm coming to You now and I want to humble myself before You, Lord. I want to repent, Lord. Because You alone need to be glorified. People need to be drawn to You as the Apostle Paul said so their faith will be in You, not not in this, not in that, not in a place. Oh God, get it out of us, Lord. We're so quick to exalt man. We're so quick to exalt a place, Lord. But You alone will be exalted in that day, O oh Lord. So God, we want to humble ourselves today before You, Lord. We want You to be glorified. We want this community. We want people to be drawn to You, Jesus. We want them to know You're here. So that the impossible can happen, Lord. Because You're the only one that has what they need. So God, we humble ourselves today. We ask You, God, to show us, search us, see if there's anything in us rooted in pride, Lord, that would hinder what You want to do.